0: What does a good and beautiful life centered in God's grace and mercy look like? It is a life filled with love for others and humility toward oneself. There's no one single way to embody love and humility, but this kind of life is one that people notice and ask, what's different about that person? Brothers and sisters in Christ, As I reflected on this over the past week, I must say we were privileged to see such a life in Deb Maxey. This isn't how I initially intended to start this sermon, but she was such a great example of a good and beautiful life that it only seemed fitting. This doesn't mean that she lived a sinless or perfect life But it was a life in which people saw God's love and God's grace clearly on display. Over the past week, I got to hear stories from many different people speaking of Deb's Deb's quiet demeanor and gracious, loving nature. And yet it was in that quiet nature and that graciousness that other people saw God. They, They saw her resting in God's redeeming love And it allowed her to point so many other people back to Christ, back to who he was. Because it wasn't about her, it was about him. See, when you listen to people talk about Deb, she embodied following God's commands in her life, not out of duty, but because she had first experienced God's love and God's grace. See, we have to acknowledge that people are not judged and condemned into the faith. They are loved into the faith by hearing the good news of salvation in Christ and by seeing the lives of others that have been transformed by the gospel, as Debs had been and as hopefully ours are. In today's Old Testament lesson, God gave us the Ten Commandments, things that we should not do and by implication, things that we should do. These are things that protect us and that help us to live a good and beautiful life see, most of the commandments don't offend people. Most people would agree that, that we shouldn't kill or steal, that we shouldn't lie or gossip, that we should honor our parents, that we shouldn't commit adultery. See, these commandments set healthy boundaries and help a society to function well. But as we talk about the Ten Commandments, we can easily make them a standard for being loved and valued by God, as if you have to measure up to be worthwhile but no one meets that standard. If you doubt me, then reread Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five as he speaks of the commandments. We all fall short of the standard. And yet we often think and act as if we need to protect the church from sinners, from people like them, people who from our culture who might lead us astray as if the gospel isn't for all people as if we don't all need God's grace, as if some are not worthy. You see, what we need to do as God's people is to welcome and love others wherever they are and leave the judgment up to God. See, our self-righteous actions can bury the freedom and the life and the joy of the gospel because shame and judgment don't draw people into the faith. They only push people away. It's easy to lose focus on the life-giving aspects of God's word and law by trying to be perfect and obedient to earn God's love instead of finding the freedom of God's love and God's grace that has been lavished upon us, poured out upon us again and again despite our unworthiness. See, we can easily forget God's grace and mercy. Now, don't get me wrong, we should follow the Ten Commandments. But I want you to notice in today's reading how Exodus chapter 20 begins. Not with, you shall have no other gods before me, but rather with, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Therefore, the commandments start by remembering God's, by remembering the freedom God has won for his people. They begin by recalling the redemption of a God who is gracious and merciful, compassionate and kind to us. Our faith begins with experiencing God's love and God's salvation. God commands God's commands and his will for our lives are beautiful when we see the love and life that we have been given in Christ, but it's only as we see it through Christ. They're meant to guide the way we use those freedoms, as those saved by His mighty hand. See, you need to remember that Israel was redeemed out of Egypt before they received the Ten Commandments, before they had begun following it, before they had been deemed good and righteous and pure. God acted on their behalf. See, when we know the love of God, we live all together differently. Israel, when they were called out of Egypt, were called to be a different kind of people than the rest of the world. Exodus 19 and 6, just before this, says that they would be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. They were supposed to be noticed by the world around them as they reflected God in their lives. They should stand out because of the good and beautiful way of life they had as God's people. We, as God's people, should be the same way. Think about the kind of life that God calls us to and how it would make our faith more attractive to others if we lived it out. See, we're to embody the good and beautiful life in Christ— we live in response to his redemption and his love. As Christians, we're we're to have no fear of circumstances because we know God is for us and God is with us no matter what comes. And so we're not driven by fear. We walk with confidence. As Christians, we welcome and help the stranger the sojourner and the broken, or or like the early Christians, we run into the places of disease and sickness, of war and of danger, because we don't fear death, because we know the final outcome of our lives is not death, but resurrection through Christ. So we don't have to worry about what comes. And as Christians, we speak a message of pro-life, not just for the unborn but for the orphan, for the widow, for the poor, for those on death row, because God values each and every life and wants to redeem each and every one of us as we live lives of sexual purity because we know that our lives point back to Christ and his faithless, to his bride, the church, that's you and me. See, we will be hardworking people, but we also know how to rest hard as we embrace God's picture of Sabbath, rest and trust in him, that he has got us. And as Luther put it in the eighth commandment, we ought to speak well of others and put the best construction on their words. See, as we follow God's love and love others, as we love ourselves, caring for them, as people who are just as important, just as worthy as we are, if we value what they say, not just to respond and make our point, but to actually hear and listen to them, then they will see God's picture of a good and beautiful life in you and me. If we did the things that Jesus' followers ought to do, listened and cared and fought for the oppressed, found contentment in what we had been given, knew how to rest, and so on, we would be noticed in our culture. We would look very different than the world around us. If we lived out this good and beautiful life, then God's love love and the good news displayed in us would draw others to him, to seek out what we have, to seek the God that we know. His disciples were called to live by God's good and beautiful picture of life. But if you start your faith walk, like many of us start the 10 commandments, without grace, without redemption, without Christ first and him always front and center, then you will always struggle with the gospel. Because without grace, we focus on judgment instead of loving others with God's love and receiving his love. If you try to love others and seek God's love with a list of things you need to do, then you'll turn faith in Christ into faith in yourself and your own achievements. But on the other hand, if upon hearing, if your faith is based on what hearing God has done for you in Christ and the life he wants for you, like the Ten Commandments begin, then you will find freedom and beauty in the life that God gives you, a life serving God and loving others. See, knowing God redeems and loves us first, we will want to obey his commandments because faith begins in receiving God's love and grace, and we receive God's grace in these waters in baptism as God creates faith in us. We receive God's grace and God's mercy as Jesus cries out from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And as he yells out in that victory cry, it is finished. Our sin has been paid for, washed and cleansed. We receive God's grace as we come to the Lord's table and receive his body and his blood given for you. We receive God's grace in his word As he comes to us and feeds us for the journey ahead. As our hearts are bound in his love and his grace. See, we're loved into the gospel as God continues to give us his love and his grace despite ourselves, despite our unworthiness, despite our brokenness. God shows us the good and beautiful picture of life in his son and in his word and sacrament. And we are drawn to it as we see its effects on others like Deb and as we experience it in our own lives as God's people. See, when you come deeper into the truth that the gospel is good news about what God has done for you, then you're transformed. When you realize that this isn't just a random statement, but this is a message over your life that no matter where you are, God is with you. He is for you. That no matter what you've done, that God has said he's taking care of it, he has forgiven it, he is for you. That you are part of his kingdom when you realize that the resurrection says that God has life in store for you, not just on the last day, but a new life, a transformed life today, here and now, then your life is transformed. Then everything changes. So the Ten Commandments aren't rules to make our lives harder, but they paint a better picture of a life filled with joy and with freedom in Christ. They give us a picture of a healthy life with God, healthy relationships with one another, and a life filled with balance and peace, freed from the anxiousness, the anger, the jealousy, and so on. If that's the picture people outside the church saw in our walk and heard in our words, as they saw in our dearly departed sister Deb, perhaps they'd be more interested in the God that we follow. See, God called the Israelites out of Egypt so they could be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a people who were seen as distinct, pointing back to God. God wanted other nations to see them and to be drawn to him. But we as God's people are called in the same way. We're called to look different, to live out the good and beautiful life in the joy of redemption, in the freedom of forgiveness and the mercy that God has given us in Christ. See, we should live a far more attractive and healthy life, and we should have far more healthy and attractive relationships than the world around us. So the question I want to leave you with is this. How will you embrace the more beautiful picture of life that God has in store for you, so that through you, people might hear and see God's grace and God's love and be drawn to him, drawn into the gospel? Amen.